God is good. Join me as we open up in this prayer. They put it up on the screen together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So last week I started our four-part series on Passover deliverance with my message, Are You Ready for Deliverance? If you weren't here, or if you're listening to the podcast today, uh, I would encourage you to go uh, listen to that message because uh, I think it's important, as I do most of the messages we preach here, uh, but uh, it's part of this series. And our text for this series is uh, from Shemot, Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 20. Uh, so today I'm going to start with verse 11 and read through verse 20 to get the context for our message today, which will come from verses 12 and 13. So here's how you are to eat it. With your belt fastened, your shoes on, your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you are to eat it hurriedly, it is Adonai's Pesach. That's what we spoke of from last week. Are you ready? God was telling the children of Israel to be ready for the deliverance he was about to bring. Continuing on, verse 12. For that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and animals, and I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. The blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. This will be a day for you to remember and celebrate as a festival to Adonai from generation to generation. You are to celebrate it by a perpetual regulation. For seven days, you are to eat matzah. On the first day, remove the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats chamatz from the first day to the seventh day is to be cut off from Israel. On the first and seventh days, you are to have an assembly set aside for God. On these days, no work is to be done except what each must do to prepare his food. You may only do that. You are to observe the festival of matzah, for on this day, very day, I brought your divisions out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you are to observe this day from generation to generation by a perpetual regulation. From the evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day, you are to eat matzah. During those seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. Whoever eats food with hametz in it is to be cut off from the community of Israel. It doesn't matter whether he is a foreigner or a citizen of the land. Eat nothing with hametz in it. Wherever you live, eat matzah. So today, my message is focusing on verses 12 and 13, and it is entitled, The Power of the Blood. Do we, have, do we have the thing in to record the message today in the sound? Okay. So the message is entitled, The Power of the Blood. When we look at the context here, destruction was coming to the land of Egypt, and God was getting ready to strike the land, but he made provision uh, for the children of Israel to be spared, and it was the blood of the Passover lamb. So Renus Devar Torah goes very well with my message today. Uh, although we didn't swap or share notes. That was a God thing. This Friday night is the first night of Passover, and as we gather in our homes, we will celebrate this ancient festival 
with the hope we have of eternal salvation because of the blood of the Passover lamb, Yeshua the Messiah, who has redeemed us from the bondage of sin. The Israelites were redeemed and spared from the angel of death, and they were delivered from the bondage of slavery in Egypt through this whole story surrounding the Passover and the blood of the lamb that was uh, put on their doorposts. And when we look at verse 12, verse 12 tells us that this was the final plague of God uh, that he would use to execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. He declared to ancient Israel that these were false gods and that, and that these false gods that they'd seen the Egyptians worship, and maybe they had even been enthralled by these gods because we know the history of Israel as they go uh, out of Egypt and they wander and they go into the promised land. They were often uh, lured into worshiping a false god. So perhaps even in, in Egypt that was a problem for them. And so God was making a proclamation through these plagues and very clearly proclaimed at the end of verse 12 that he alone was God with these verses. with these words that said, I am Adonai. Can you declare that with me? He said, I am Adonai. In other words, God was saying to the Israelites, and he's saying to you and me, there's no one like me, and stand back and watch what I am about to do. All of these false gods that you have served your Egyptian neighbors worshiping have done nothing to help or to deliver these people. Not one single God has been able to stand against me. And he is saying to the children of Israel, now I will deliver that final blow as I execute judgment against Pharaoh himself, who the Egyptians also consider to be a god. And you and the Egyptians and Pharaoh will know that I alone am the deliverer. And it would be, he wanted them to know that it would not be through the cunning plans or strategies of men that deliverance would come. Only God is the true deliverer, and his means of deliverance is through the blood of the Lamb. And that's what he wants us to focus on today. Only the blood applied to the doorpost of the ancient Israelites' home could avert judgment. There was power in that blood, okay? Power in that blood. And I want to stir you up this morning to, uh, to activate your faith in the truth of the power of the blood of Yeshua, our Messiah. There is power in that blood to stop destruction. There is power to deliver. There is power to sustain the people in that house. And there is power in that blood because it was God's provision for the people of Israel. Adonai wants each one of us to know that uh, there is power in the blood of Yeshua. He tells us in the book of Messianic Jews, and, and when he's comparing the blood of Yeshua with the blood of goats and lambs. And he says, you know, they really only did a temporary thing. But how much more the blood of the eternal Lamb of God could make atonement and sacrifice for our sins. So the blood of Yeshua is more powerful than the blood that the ancient Israelites put on their doorposts there in Egypt. And yet that blood brought deliverance because it was God's provision. How much more will the blood of Yeshua bring deliverance to you and to me this day in our lives? So let's look at it, the power of the blood and how it applies to us. First of all, the most important thing is the power of the blood is to atone for our sins. Vayikra Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for yourselves. 
for it is the blood that makes atonement because of the life. The blood of the Passover lamb prophetically points to the once-for-all sacrifice of Yeshua. The New Covenant draws this correlation. Look at these two scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Rav Shaul says, Get rid of the old chametz, so that you can be a new batch of dough, because in reality you are unleavened for our Pesach lamb. Right? Connecting the, the Tanakh to the new. For our Pesach lamb, the Messiah, has been sacrificed. And look at Kepha Allah, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. You should be aware that the ransom paid to free you from the worthless way of life. Pause. Say la here for a moment. I want to tell you, life without Yeshua is a worthless way of life. I don't care how attractive it may look to you. I don't care how the enemy will tantalize you and say that this is so good and so much better. What God is declaring here in this word is the truth. It's a worthless way of life. And God wants to redeem us from that. This worthless way of life which your fathers pass on to you did not consist of anything perishable like silver or gold, but on the contrary, it was the costly, 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 bloody sacrificial death of the Messiah as of a lamb without defect or spot. What is God saying? Yeshua is the lamb of God, and his blood was shed to redeem us, to atone for our sin, to bring us out of that worthless way of life that we have inherited, that has been passed on from generation after generation since Adam and Eve committed that first sin in the Garden of Eden. And he says that worthless way of life, the blood of Yeshua, redeems us from that. Now there's one caveat to this principle. For the blood to be effective, for it to protect the ancient Israelite, it had to be applied to the doorpost of their homes. Do you hear what I'm saying? And in the same way, for the blood of Yeshua to accomplish what it is meant to accomplish in your life and my life and the life of every person in the world, it has to be personally applied. In other words, I have to personally decide to trust in him and surrender my life to him. In ancient Israel, in Egypt at that time, being Jewish did not protect you from the angel of death. Did you get that? Just because you were an Israelite did not mean that the angel of death would pass over your house. There was only one way. One way. Can you say that with me? One way. It was the blood. It is the same today. There is only one way for sins to be atoned for. And that is the blood of the Lamb. Yeshua the Messiah. And I know we've talked about this. I can hear the discussion upstairs in our Torah study. People will say you're narrow-minded. You're, you're so, uh, you know, uh, what's the other words that they say about it? <laughs> narrow-minded, intolerant. You think it's only your way and no other way. Yes, I do. Okay? Yes, I do. Because that's what the Bible says. But the good news is that that one way, what is that way? The blood is open to every single person. God doesn't discriminate whether you're Jewish or Gentile here this morning, whether you're male or female, whether you're young or old. God says this one way is open to you. 
That's the good news that we share. So we have to put our trust in Yeshua. Only the blood of the Passover lamb would protect the ancient Israelite from the angel of death. And only the applied blood of Yeshua will protect us from eternal death. Listen to me, friends. Whether you're here in this sanctuary or you're listening to the podcast, it is not enough to come to synagogue week after week. You can come to the synagogue and sit here week after week, and it doesn't mean a flippin' thing. I'm telling you. Doesn't mean a thing. Hear what I'm saying? You can be, quote, religious. Ain't gonna atone for your sins. There's only one way that your sins will be atoned for, and that is through the blood of Yeshua. Some of you listening to my voice today, again, whether here in the sanctuary or on the podcast, God is speaking to your heart right now, and you know that this is the only way that your sins can be atoned for. And he's saying, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you surrender and you say yes, and you apply the blood of Yeshua to the doorpost of your house so that you can be redeemed and your name can be written in the book of life. Amen? You must personally apply the blood to your heart. How is this done? It is simple, but not easy. Do you hear me? It is simple, but not easy. Why? Because it means I must surrender my way to God's way. My way that says, Rabbi Carroll's narrow-minded. I know a lot of people who are doing okay, and they don't believe like she does. There are a lot of other religions out there, and they all seem to be doing okay. I have to surrender that and say there is only one true God. He has proven that over and over again. He demonstrated that to the Egyptians. The Egyptians were polytheistic. That means they worshipped every god you could imagine, uh, every creature, the sun, the moon, the, the fish, the Nile, everything, the frogs. They worshipped all of those plagues, and we'll talk about it in our Passover Seder. Those plagues were against individual gods of Egypt that the Egyptian worshipped. What did any of those gods do to deliver the Egyptians? Not a single thing. We did a Passover demonstration here on Thursday night for local pastors from, our, uh, from Long Island. And we were talking about that. And one of the things that really strikes me is the plague of frogs. Because the Egyptians worshipped the goddess Chet. And she was the goddess of fertility. And she's represented as a frog. So here this frog the frogs come. That was a judgment against this goddess. And where does, do the frogs end up? You have to pay attention to what the Bible says, even in the beds of the Egyptians, right? The irony of that, this goddess, where was she? Where was she? Did she bring deliverance to the Egyptians? Not at all. And over and over again, as we go through our Seder and our Haggadah, we will see that because they are not gods. There is no God but the one true God of Israel. And he is here today to say there is one way, one way only. That way is Yeshua the Messiah and his blood shed for you. But that way is open to every single person. Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Arab, American. It does not matter. The way is open to every single person, but we must, must apply the blood to the doorpost of our hearts. I must surrender my will to his. 
I do this by acknowledging that I have sin and that that sin separates me from God and that there is nothing that I can do about it. That sin also has its consequences. Consequences. Romans 6 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? That means eternal death, eternal damnation. Okay, we don't preach a lot about it, but I'm going to preach about it this morning. Friends, hell is real. Okay, and I don't care what you see people post on Facebook and Twitter and all these things. Oh, I'm going to be partying down in hell. You will not be partying in hell. Hell is a place of eternal damnation and torment. And the only way that you will not go to hell is if you have your sins atoned for. And the only way your sins can be atoned for is through the blood of the precious Lamb of God. Amen? And again, God wants you to make that decision. That's why he has brought you here today. That's why your friend told you to listen to this podcast, because God loves you tremendously. He loved the children of Israel, and he was going to deliver them, and he loves you and me, and he wants to deliver us out of the bondage of sin and to write our names in the book of life so that we will spend eternity in his presence and not in a place of torment and damnation in the place of hell. My penalty is paid for by his blood. And friends, this is cause for great rejoicing. My sins are atoned for because I accepted Yeshua. One of the pastors came up and asked me after the presentation, when I came to faith, I said, you know, I came to faith at six years old. I will, I've, you've heard my story, so many of you here, I will never, ever forget that day. When I walked down to the front of that sanctuary and I surrendered my life to Yeshua. Forever, ever changed my life. I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Not because I've done anything good since six years old, but because the blood covers and atones for my sin. And he wants each one here listening to this message, to have that same experience. He brings us out of sin's bondage. He brought Egypt, uh, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And to all of this, we could say, Dayenu. It's enough. If God never, ever did anything else for me. But to lead my parents to buy that house that I grew up in, that right around the corner was a congregation that I walked to all the time. We never drove because we just had to walk around. It was God that led my parents to that house, to led someone to come knocking on the door, inviting my mom to come to this little congregation that forever changed the destiny of my family as we came to know the love of God and his provision for our atonement. If that's all that God ever did for me, it would be enough. If that's all that God did for Israel was to bring him out of Egypt, it would be enough. But that's not all. He didn't stop there, and he doesn't stop there with us. He redeemed Israel out of Egypt, but he doesn't, didn't leave them on the banks of the Red Sea. He brings us out of sin's bondage, but not just to leave us there. Like Israel, he wants to bring full deliverance that will impact every area of our lives. 
and ultimately bring us into the fullness of his promises for us. Which leads me to the second thing about the blood and the power of the blood. The blood gives us access to a personal, intimate relationship with the Creator. Messianic Jews, Hebrews 10, 19 says, So brothers, we have confidence to use the way into the holiest place open by the blood of Yeshua. And Ephesians 2.13 says, But now you who were once far off have been brought near through the shedding of Messiah's blood. Yes, my sins are atoned for, and my name is written in the book of life, but beyond that, I now have access. Hello. Into the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't have to call to make an appointment. I don't have to seek an audience with this king. Because Yeshua shed his blood, you and I can now boldly come into the presence of God Almighty and, and, and make our requests known and enjoy his presence and commune with him and allow him to speak to us and we can speak and share our heart with him. How awesome is that, my friend, that you have access to the most powerful throne room in existence. Hello? Try to get into any earthly throne room today. It would take a miracle. But the throne room of heaven, every single one of us have access to. We can go in and we communicate with God. You're his daughter. You're his son. And yes, even though he is almighty God, he is glorious and holy, and we sung that today, and he is worthy to be praised and exalted and extolled, he is still our heavenly father who says, the blood has made way for you to come in and for you to have communion with me and I to commune with you and for a relationship to take place. You know, God... The whole purpose of creation, of mankind, is because God desired relationship. That relationship was severed by our sin. But God had a plan from the very beginning. It says in Revelation, before the foundation of the world, before it ever started, the Lamb of God was slain. What does that mean? Yeshua was already ready to give his life before man was ever created. Why? Because God wanted relationship. It's not about you and I doing a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about us being the most holiest that we can be. But it's about being in relationship with him. He has atoned for your sins, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his goodness and his mercy and his compassion and how great his love is for you. So many people struggle understanding and receiving the love of God. If I could just take and impart unto you how great his love is for you. When you truly experience the love of God, like the woman who came into Yeshua with the alabaster jar of perfume, and she broke it, and she anointed his feet. Why? Because she had experienced the love of God through Yeshua. When you have truly experienced the love of God, you understand he is not uh, looking for you to perform for him. 
He is not looking for you to outdo your neighbor. He is looking for you to come and to know him and for him to know you more. The blood of Yeshua grants us the opportunity to this intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. The third thing that the power of the blood does, I'm going over four things today. There's a lot more, but I chose four, is the blood cleanses our conscience. This is a a big one because sometimes in these next two points, I'm really going to go after the enemy of our soul because this is the sense I have as a spiritual leader that hell is slapping you around like crazy. And you are not implementing the weapons that God has given to you or the victory that was won for you by the blood of Yeshua. And the battleground rages in your mind, first and foremost. And if you can win that battle in your mind, it will trickle down to the other areas of your life. Messianic Jews, Hebrews 9.14, we are told, Then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify our conscience. Will purify what? Our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. And then in Romans chapter 8, Verses 1 and 2, therefore there is no longer any condemnation awaiting those who are in union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Many of you are walking under a weight of condemnation, and the blood of Yeshua has lifted that. Why? Because the Torah of the Spirit, which reduces this life in union with the Messiah, Yeshua, has set us free from the Torah of sin and death, not the Torah of the scriptures, but the Torah of sin and death, which is another message, but just to clarify that. Guilt and condemnation has no place in the life of a believer who has surrendered himself to God. Yet often the followers of Yeshua, as I said, walk with this weight of condemnation on them. We sang it in the song today. If you came late, you missed this song. That's why I want to encourage you to show up on time. Just a little practical hint there. We sang the song, Under the Blood of the Lamb. I'm covered by the blood of the Passover Lamb. And it said in one part, for now there is no condemnation because I'm under the blood of the Lamb. We put the Rav Shul's verses at the beginning of chapter 8 into context of Romans. Romans chapter 7 is that chapter where Rav Shul confesses how he struggles. And in Romans 7, he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. Anyone else like Rob Shule? And the things I don't want to do, I do. Anyone else relate to Rob Shule? And then to all of that, he says, what a wretched man am I. Condemnation. But he doesn't stay there. He says, but thanks be to Messiah Yeshua, who has given us victory. And then he goes into what is now Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation in Yeshua because of the blood. 
His blood has cleansed us and has cleansed our conscience. One author wrote about Romans 8.1, when God says no condemnation is not based upon our performance. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not your performance. Okay, look at me, because you guys don't get it. It is not your performance, okay? It is not your performance, all right? Get it on this side? It is not your performance. This side, look at me. It is not your performance. There is no condemnation, not based on your performance, but based on your position. And what is that position? You are under the blood of the Lamb. Well, I just blew it on the way here this morning. Welcome to the world of reality, okay? It doesn't excuse that you blew it. You confess it. You repent, and you put yourself back under the blood, and now your conscience is free. See, hell will torment you and say, you blew it this morning or last night as you were settling into Shabbat, and now you come in, and as you begin to worship, this is what hell says. Well, you're such a hypocrite. Oh, if the rabbi could only have seen you last night. Or the rabbi knew how you, what you did in the car on the way here. What would they think about that? That's condemnation. Friends, we know that everyone sins. Even Rob Shul is talking about this struggle that he has, that he doesn't always do the things he wants to do, and sometimes he does the things that he doesn't want to do. And that struggle makes him feel bad. It makes me feel bad when I blow it, and yes, your rabbi blows it. But what do I do in that moment when I, with that struggle where I am feeling wretched and overcome by the condemnation weighing me down? I have to remind myself that I am under the blood of the Lamb, that as I repent of what I did that blew it and ask for forgiveness once again, it's wiped away and the slate is clean. And I don't have to have that weight of my conscience Another writer, a commentator, talking about chapter 8, says we come to a chapter that has often been called either the greater or one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. He says that it begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. At the end of Romans 8, it says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And in the middle, it talks about no defeat. No condemnation, no defeat, no separation. That's pretty powerful, right? And that's, the God, that's what the power of the blood is to you and to me. It takes away condemnation. And the rest of chapter 8 focuses on the power of the Ruach who enables us to walk in victory. But that's a message slated for Shavuot. Today we're focusing on the power of the blood to cleanse our consciences so that we can understand, and we need to get this in our kishkas this morning, that there is no condemnation. Amen? No condemnation in Messiah Yeshua. The message version of this verse says, Romans 8.1, with the arrival of Yeshua the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. What's that dilemma? The one that Rav Shaul was talking about in Romans 7. Those who enter into Messiah's being here for us, (coughs) 
no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. That's what condemnation is. And friends, the blood of Yeshua the Messiah takes away all condemnation. So when hell sits on your shoulder to condemn you, to speak those lies into your mind, telling you that you are no good, that you're a hypocrite, that you shouldn't even be here, you need to tell him the blood of Yeshua is against you. My conscience has been cleansed because I am under the blood. Again, not that we don't sin, that we don't blow it, but we are told, 1 John 1, 9 says, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and when we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us. That is written to a congregation of believers, and Yochanan is telling them that when you sin, because it will happen, what you need to do is confess it and receive forgiveness again, because we're under the blood, no condemnation. And finally, the power of the blood stops the weapons and accusations of hell formed against us. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They defeated him because of the Lamb's blood, meaning Yeshua, and because of the message of their witness, even when facing death, they did not cling to life. And Colossians 2.13 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. We have an enemy who will try to accuse us with these condemning thoughts and who will attack us in every way he can. He creates strife in our marriages and families and in a congregation. He attacks our bodies with sickness. He tries to deplete our finances. He threatens us through an ungodly society who mocks and ridicules our faith, and many even seek to uh, destroy and kill believers. That's all demonic. It's all the devil orchestrating these things. His intent is to thwart the purposes of God for my life and for your life and for this congregation. But, and this is a big but, but because of the blood of the Lamb of God, we can walk in victory. And friends, this is what I want you to get in your kishkas this morning. The power of the blood of God uh, enables us to be victorious over every weapon formed against us. The power of the enemy has been broken, broken over our life because of the power of the blood. But the enemy will not give up easy. Go back to the story in Shemot, Exodus. Think of Pharaoh. Initially, he said, get out of my sight. Go, take your people. Then he had to change of heart, didn't he? He says, what am I doing? And he goes pursuing the Israelites with a vengeance. God delivers. Our enemy is the same way. When we come under the blood of Yeshua, when we make that initial decision to accept Yeshua and to apply the blood of the Lamb to the doorpost of our heart, of our heart he backs off. But he's not giving up on us. Kepha Aleph, 1 Peter 5 8 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. 
We've preached on this passage before. Friends, you don't want to be lunch for the devil. Keep yourself under the blood of the lamb and serve the devil notice. He's prowling like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, but the blood protects you from him. Proclaim these truths over yourself and your family. Again, in that first song we sang, Under the Blood, one line says, I let him, the enemy, know right where I stand, and that is under the blood of Yeshua. One of my favorite scenes from The Lord of the Rings is where Gandalf is uh, facing off with the bell dragon and that fire dragon that comes up out of the pit. And he is facing them and he takes his staff and he drives it down and he says, you shall not pass. Friends, you and I have something greater than Gandalf's staff. We have the blood of the Lamb of God. And that blood is our weapon against the enemy that would seek to destroy and to attack us. And we need to take that stand and we need to declare the following things to the enemy. We need to say, devil, you cannot have my marriage. Satan, my children belong to God. Enemy, get your hands off my finances and my health. You cannot have my country. You cannot have my community. You cannot have my congregation. Satan, stop your lies. Stop your torment. The blood of Yeshua covers. The blood of Yeshua redeems. And the blood of Yeshua delivers me from every strategy and weapon that you have formed against me. Amen. Messianic Jews, Hebrews 12, 24 says, to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What did the blood of Abel speak? In Bereshit 3.11, Adonai spoke to Cain, who had killed his his brother Abel, and he said, Cain, the blood of your brother cries out. What was it crying out for? Justice. Well, this passage here in in Hebrews tells us that the blood of Yeshua is more powerful. And it speaks more powerful than that blood did. Think about it. If God responded to the blood of Abel crying out, how much more will he respond to the blood of the Lamb of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Colossians 1, 13 through 14 tells us that God has delivered us from the powers of darkness through the blood of Yeshua. Now, I grew up in the congregation. I referenced it. That my parents moved into a house that I, when I was about six years old, five, six years old, and that is the house that I grew up in. And right around the corner was a, a congregation that we started attending. And that congregation talked and walked in a concept that you don't hear a lot about uh, today, and it was called pleading the blood of Yeshua. And now this pleading the blood of Yeshua was not a magical formula and it was not begging God to do something or uh, it was not something done out of fear of doubt, but it was really based on this passage in in, in Hebrews that the blood of Yeshua speaks, right? And one writer explained it in this way, pleading the blood is activating what happened through the blood of Yeshua, the Messiah, on the tree of sacrifice. It is asking God to provide for us what Yeshua's blood has already 
purchased. It's a statement of faith about what happened on the tree of sacrifice. Next week, we will commemorate and celebrate Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. When he hung on the tree of sacrifice, these were the last three words he said, it is finished. It is done. What did he mean? Victory has been secured. The enemy is defeated. He may not understand it. He may not get it, but he is a defeated foe. Yes, he has the reign and, and some power here on this earth, but he is not more powerful than you. He is not more powerful than me because the blood of Yeshua is over us. And that blood of Yeshua has purchased for you and me victory in every area of our life. And we need to release the speaking power of the blood of Yeshua over our lives and over our situations. As I said earlier, we need to make declarations, make declarations over our lives based on the truth of the power of the blood of Yeshua. And I close with these declarations that I would encourage you to make. Satan, Yeshua defeated you once and for all on the tree of sacrifice as he shed, as he shed his blood on my behalf. Because of his blood, I am free from your influence and your attacks. I will not fall prey to you. I will not allow you to devour me. I declare the speaking power of the blood of Yeshua against you and your weapons directed at me. Through the blood of Yeshua, all the promises are mine. 2,000 years later, the blood of Yeshua still speaks and it declares that you are defeated. You have no authority over my marriage, over my children, over my finances, over my health, over my relationships, over this congregation. I have been redeemed, but the blood of the Lamb and victory is mine. That is the power of the blood that needs to be activated. And if nothing else, I want to stir you up to activate the power of the blood in your life. You should not be walking around uh, in defeat. You should come into this place, and I've said it before, skipping with your head raised high. It doesn't mean that everything is going to change in your life, okay? The, the men and women in the New Covenant, they went through a lot of service, but there was a joy in their heart, and there was a skip in their step, and they walked in victory even when they were being beaten and thrown in jail. Why? Because they knew the power of the blood of Yeshua, and they knew that ultimately they were the winners, they were the victors, and they did not let hell take away the joy of the Lord or torment them. And that is the place that you and I need to be. Activate the power of the blood in your life. Don't walk around with that cloud of condemnation over you. Walk in the victory that Yeshua obtained for you by his sacrifice on that stake. The power of the blood, amen, is available to you and me. And I close with this verse from Ephesians 1, 7. In union with him, again, we're under the blood because we've accepted him. Through the shedding of his blood, we are set free. Our sins are forgiven. And this accords with the wealth of his grace. His grace, grace, grace. Amen. In Yeshua's name. Stand to your feet. Activate the power of the blood in your life today. Again, I want to see you walking in victory.
walk in the victory that Yeshua obtained for you. No matter how difficult the situation may be that you're facing, no matter what is pressing against you, you can walk in victory. And God wants to put the enemy to flight because he has no power over you. As I told someone earlier, the only way the enemy has power is if you abdicate it to him. Everyone look at me. Some of you are getting slapped around because you're letting it happen. Just being honest with you, okay? And I get it, stuff happens, and I've, I've said this, I've been talking to different people this week, stuff's happening in my life as well. I shared last weekend in my message then that for three or four days before Saturday, I was in torment emotionally, and I was all over the place. And it was not fun, okay? Just personal things that are going on, and I have to apply the word that I preach to you in my own life. That situation has not changed. It's still there. But I can walk in victory and hold my head up and not allow the enemy to pull me down emotionally because I know the power of the blood and I know victory is ultimately mine. And even though I can't see a way out at this moment, I know that God will make a way because he always does. And that's the power of the blood that we need to activate in our lives today. Amen. I want to close with the Iranic benediction. And I want to invite uh, uh, my prayer team to come down. Uh, and if anyone wants prayer today, we want to agree in prayer with you and then encourage you again to, for prayer this afternoon from 2 to 3 Hebrew and make sure you have your Passover reservations in today. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face toward you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of God Almighty. May you uh, walk in his joy. And may you walk in the power of the blood in every area of your life. In Yeshua's name, amen. So can I have uh, Adeline, Rena, the baby?